Cut reliance on code outreach and start thinking about assets that drive inbound links with Stacey McNaught from McNaught Digital. Brought to you by Majestic, I'm David Bain and this is SEO in 2022. Stacey, what's your number one SEO tip for 2022? Uh, basically to stop relying so much on cold outreach, which feels almost like a cold sales tactic these days, um, and actually to invest more time in, I guess we would have called them link bait assets a few years ago, but just assets that generate their own links over time for you in the background while you crack on with something else. So does code outreach not work anymore? Yeah, I think it works. Um, And, and, you know, I do see people using it to great effect quite a lot still for landing links. But I think it's now, and every month or two that passes, I think it becomes less and less efficient uh, because there's so much of it goes on. Everybody's so sick of having inboxes full of it that I think it's really only a matter of time until it becomes one of those things that where you're probably having to send a thousand emails to land one or two decent links. So I just think it's diminishing returns uh, as a tactic. I'm certainly receiving more and more code outreach at the moment saying, can I be in your podcast? Can I be? And it's obviously, <laughs> they, they haven't <laughs> even listened to the podcast, but that's a, a sidetrack there. Um, so, yeah. so we're talking about creating assets that uh, drive great links. So what kind of assets are the ideal sort of assets that drive links? So I guess actually a lot of this research into what you should produce is it's very much an SEO task. So For me, I do a lot of statistics content and templates and free downloadables and things. And the main reason for that is that I think when you are looking at producing content like this, you, it's an SEO task, keyword research. What are people looking for? But in this instance, we're not looking for people who are going to come to the website and buy something. The search intent's different. We're looking for keywords where the search intent seems to imply somebody looking for a resource or a source to cite. So we often find that statistics queries, if you look in the vast majority of areas and you type in something like obesity statistics, anxiety statistics, basketball statistics, pretty much pick a word in statistics and you'll probably find that the top three results uh, for those keywords have natural links pointing back to them because statistics just appear to be the type of keyword that somebody looking for a source to cite is typing in. And it's similar with templates, downloads, and every niche has its own keywords. Um, but yeah, essentially, I think what you're looking to do is find keywords where you suspect or know that the user's intent is to find a source to cite, and then you go off and find um, and prove it. So go off and look for the keywords that already, the, the sites that already rank for those keywords, look at their backlink profiles. That's how you can verify it. But for me, yeah, I fall back a lot on statistics, data pieces, research, templates, things like that. That's, that's a great tip. Um, so I mean, what specifically does that type of content look like? Does it have to be fairly long form? Can it be quite short? Can it be just um, a, a few lines of statistics? And also, do you try and actually get your content featured as a featured snippet as well or are you just focusing on the actual landing page itself yeah i think in terms of how it looks i'm going to give a a classic seo answer of it depends um (laughs) so with statistics pieces we just launched an insomnia statistics piece three months ago um for a client centered very much on the uk and when we had come up with the idea of looking at insomnia statistics we took a look at the current top five And we were looking at strengths and weaknesses of the current top five. They were all very in-depth, which made us think that ours was going to need to be in-depth. But four of the top five in the UK were actually 
US data sets. So we knew that we could uh, improve relevance by focusing very much on a UK data set. And actually the most recent data set was three years old. So straight away, we thought we're going to make ours better by making it newer and UK centric. Um, but we knew that would also have to be reasonably in depth. I think that one ended up at 1600 words or so with three different data points. Um, but we have done these with as few as eight or 900 words and as many as 7,000. So it really does vary um, from topic to topic for sure. But I think that they're, they're often worth investing in because I think we are, we're at 52 referring domains now. It's three months old. Our first one was a link from the Times, which was established within two weeks of the piece going live with no outreach whatsoever. So right. we sort of think, well, yeah, okay, we're going to invest that time up front, but we're going to save a ton of site time later, cold outreaching, um, as we might have done previously to get links to the site. That's great advice to look at the SERP for what you're trying to rank for to begin with. I think, I mean, it sounds like basic advice, but I think in reality, a lot of SEOs don't actually do that and they just feature on creating the content. Yeah, eyeball test. I mean, you know, we all kind of all fall back on tools quite a lot, but the output of any tool is only ever as good as what you put in. And I honestly think that when it comes to analyzing content that you're going to try and compete with, if it's only a few pages you need to look at, there's absolutely no substitute for going through a human being taking a look at what's good about it and what's not good about it and where can you win. You also mentioned that the example that you're looking at um, didn't have a lot of data from the UK. It had a lot of data from the USA. And I've certainly done a lot of searches in Google in the past and found a lot of US centric data um, in results pages and maybe looked for UK data for what I was looking for. Do you think Google's better at distinguishing whether or not data um, fits a user in a specific country? Possibly. Um, I think it, in some areas, I think, yeah, it's getting miles better. But what we actually see from Search Console for these pieces is um, there's as many people, if not more, will search for UK specifically. So they'll type in, I mean, the only impressions we were getting when the Times journalists found us were for very, very niche queries like insomnia statistics, UK 2021. How many people in the UK have insomnia in 2021? Some people even going as far as typing in a month. So I think that there's still, uh, and journalists I think who are writing for a UK audience would probably be amongst the people likeliest to specify, I want UK data. Um, so yeah, I think Google in some cases is getting better at surfacing local data where it thinks that might be a requirement. I guess with something like insomnia, you could argue that human sleep is the same whether you're in the US or the UK. So perhaps there's an argument there for the fact that it doesn't really matter that much. Mm -hmm. um, but equally, I think some of it comes down to how much data is available. So what we were competing with from the UK was an Aviva study from a few years ago. Um, and the data set there was UK, but was very much four or five years old now. Um, so on geographical relevance and on timeliness, it hasn't been updated in years. We're thinking, okay, we can take that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so far, so good. That's great. That's great. And it shows you the importance of updating your content as well. Um, you, you don't even necessarily have to publish new content, but if you've got existing content that ranks, make sure it's not five years old and Google thinks it's five years old and not so relevant yeah. nowadays. Um, 
You mentioned, obviously, the Times journalist picking up, which is wonderful. Um, and that's probably because of, of the success of your initial SEO. Um, do you do some initial outreach um, to to try and get journalists to be aware of your content? Or is that not, not something on your on your to do list? So with that particular piece, we didn't. Um, you know, we were generally speaking, if a site has enough history, we'll typically find that they will start ranking by themselves. And first you might rank for very, very long tail, obscure versions of keywords, build the first few links, and those in turn will help you to cement the bigger rankings for the kind of headline statistics queries. But if we're dealing with a site that is perhaps um, brand new or where things just are not ranking particularly well from the start by themselves, then there's a few options really. Um, We've done things like PPC. So we've done PPC on big statistics keywords just until we land the first few links. We've done things like pulling a list of everybody who is linking to um, the pages we're competing with uh, and contacting them. What I would say there is if it's a news website, I don't contact them. So if they're linking to a piece of data that's four years old, but their article is four years old, the chances of that newspaper going back and updating a four-year-old article are negligible. You know, they don't it's different for news. It's okay to have archived news that was news four years ago, still yeah. visible on a website. But if you've got uh, other business websites or smaller websites that are using, uh, particularly if they've published an article more recently that links to that older data, we find they're usually quite a good shout to get in touch with and just sort of say, oh, we've noticed that you've got um, this on your website. And actually we've got a brand new data set um, that answers that question in a different sort of way or has a new take on it. That can be quite successful. And we often find we really only need a couple of links. Um, so yeah, if a, if a piece doesn't, we do give it a couple of weeks to rank by itself because um, we're normally producing a few other bits at the same time. And if when we come back to that one, it looks like it hasn't established any visibility, then yeah, either some PPC, if there's enough volume in the area, uh, or going and contacting people linking to the pages that do rank. I love the fact that you say you do PPC because it's important to be aware of complementary digital marketing tactics that that, that can indirectly impact SEO. Uh, and I've done a little bit of highly targeted advertising on Twitter in the past um, to target journalists or thought leaders in a certain niche um, to make them aware of a new piece of content. Were you hyper-targeted in terms of people and individuals with your PPC or is it more targeting traffic that were that that was relevant to your keyword phrases that you're targeting? Yeah, literally keyword centric targeting in this case. So we know that if someone's typing in, I mean, it wasn't for this example, we used it, but if someone was typing in say travel statistics or uh, UK staycation statistics or something along those lines, we've already established by the point that we've produced the content that those keywords probably imply somebody with the intention of finding a resource. So we'll literally just exact match target a handful of statistics queries. And the good thing about that is we actually don't do PPC for clients, um, for direct sales. I'm mediocre at best at PPC. Um, so it, it changes so often, we, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. And like, I love SEO, you know, I'm pretty confident with my SEO with my PPC. I'm, I'm average. Um, mm. so we, And we often find as well that we're targeting keywords that advertisers who are looking for sales are potentially negative matching. They're very much non-commercial queries. Someone typing in, you know, skiing statistics is unlikely to be booking a ski holiday tomorrow. Um, So actually we find that they're typically very low cost keywords by comparison. And um, 
if there's enough volume there for us to exact match on it, then you might only need to do it for a week, two weeks. We've done it in some cases where it's been for five or six days, build a couple of links, see it ranking and and then generally we'll switch the PPC off. Some of our clients actually do make a part of their PPC campaign now to continually promote such assets. Great. So, so what's an ideal link nowadays? Is it still a combination between global media organizations and influencers um, and their blogs um, in, in your niche or are there other types of links that are more important? I think when we always try and replicate what might happen you know, in a natural link building scenario. So if we know that Google's advice is still not to do anything where the sole purpose is link building then we assume that what a natural link profile is would be a site that doesn't have to link build. So we tend to look a lot at um, publishing companies. We tend to look a lot at big sites, um, market leaders and brand leaders, and have a look at where they're establishing links from. So if we look at, say, a market leader in supplements like Holland and Barrett, and we look at their link profile over the last two years, we can see that they're naturally building links from press, Uh, for product. They're naturally building links for press when they give a bit of expert comment. And they naturally build links to a lot of assets on their website that are health information Um, from press, from other business websites, from general health uh, websites. And they're typically international as well. They're heavily weighted to the UK, but there are a lot of international links. So if we're going to be competing with a brand like that, then we're saying, okay, so what we want is a link profile that is that diverse, where we do have link to product achieved usually by PR where we do have link to content assets achieved by typically those statistics type um, work. And we do have links to the homepage because they've been covered because of something someone said or something they've done or an offer they've got on. Uh, and we just look to replicate what the market leader has in terms of where the links are coming from, the type of links. But I think if you're going to put a rule out there for every website, I just think diversity I think the one thing that looks like a big giant red flag is all your links coming from a subsection of mum bloggers who it turns out are all in some Facebook group and they're running any old content for $30 a time. Great point. And is there an ideal number of statistics-based articles that you would want to publish per year? Um, it's It can't be an insignificant amount of work to actually get one of these articles published. Um, so is it better, I guess, to fi- to, to focus on less uh, and do, do it right and perhaps just do it once per year? Yeah, I mean, for most of the campaigns that we work on, we're doing anything from 3 to 12 a year, um, okay. rarely any more than that. And I think sometimes it comes down to how much scope there is. If you're in healthcare, you could write a statistics or a research piece on 10 million and three things. If you're in a more niche sector, it might be that there's probably only five or six obvious areas where there's link building opportunity. Um, But in some ways, once you've got an established bank, even if it's only five or six pieces, there's an argument actually then for investing more time in going back and updating those annually as opposed to starting again with something entirely new. Um, So I think that, yeah, you don't really need many. I think you need a a handful of really good pieces in most cases. And that typically covers it. Great, great. Okay, well, so if an SEO is listening to you thinking, okay, I'm doing outreach at the moment, it's definitely not as effective as it used to be. I need to spend more time producing quality articles, perhaps leading with statistics as, 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 as you're doing very successfully. What's one thing that they're doing right now that um, has been perhaps less effective um, in the past that they need to 
stop doing right now to spend more time producing high quality content in 2022? Almost certainly writing um, posts for random guest posts on random sites. So even if you get the email back from someone and they say, yeah, I'll run your content, um, you've got to think of the time that then goes into producing that article to get published on someone else's website for a link that could be negligible, <laughs> really. So I'd say writing content for other small outlets that you've reached through cold outreach. Uh, I know a lot of the companies that we speak to are, are spending significant amounts of their copywriting resource doing that. That co- the same copywriting resource that could be producing bigger, better assets for their own website. Maybe go back in a time machine to 15 years ago and you can do that, but uh, possibly yeah. not nowadays. Stacey, a lot of great advice there. Um, you can find Stacey over at stacymcnaught.co.uk. Thanks so much for being a part of SEO in 2022. No problem. Thanks for having me. Check out the rest of the content from SEO in 2022 over at seoin2022.com. Mm-hmm.